this summer we have entered into a series called Lessons from Jesus. And uh, the intent of the, the series was to have our pastoral staff share some of the lessons that they've learned over the last year in regards to things that Jesus has taught them. Uh, I've heard some great things about Pastor Josh's message uh, over the long weekend in July. I was really encouraged to hear that and I had a chance to listen to a portion of it and I heard Pastor Art did a fantastic job as well uh, working through uh, Matthew and uh, and then also Pastor Crean sharing last week. And so grateful for our staff, for their passion for Jesus, uh, that they seek to, yeah, yeah, they are wonderful. Seek not only to do a job, but to walk with him. And I believe that as we seek to walk with Jesus, as the message of Christ penetrates our hearts as uh, leaders, uh, then it's anointed and then God is able to... Uh, uh, speak in a different way uh, through his word to us, his fellowship, as we gather together. As I was reflecting on what things the Lord has taught me over the last year, a uh, number of things came to mind. One was uh, on spiritual warfare, but since Pastor Kareen took that topic, I didn't feel that I could necessarily follow up with that. And, and Pastor Kareen, we've talked a lot about the spiritual warfare both together as uh, we both journeyed through and have learned so much over this last year about it. A message that has uh, been penetrating my heart and I'm still learning about is this idea of taking not offense on account of Jesus. Hmm. I first heard it uh, a little while ago uh, a speaker that I was listening to said one of his life objectives is not to take offense to Jesus. What does that mean? Where does that come from? Uh, how do we understand and process this? If you have your Bibles, turn with me to the book of Matthew. Matthew chapter 11. Let's read the first six verses together here. And you'll see where this idea of not taking offense on behalf of Jesus comes from. When Jesus had finished instructing his 12 disciples, he went on from there to teach and to preach in their cities. Now, John, when John heard in prison about the deeds of Christ, he sent word by his disciples and he said to him, are you the one who is to come or shall we look for another? Uh, Jesus answered them, go and tell John what you hear and what you see the blind receive their sight, and the lame walk. Lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear. And the dead are raised up, and the poor have good news preached to them. Blessed is he, or blessed is the one who is not offended by me. Let's take a moment to pray, and then we'll dive into this. Father, thank you for the truth of your word. Thank you that it speaks to us where we're at. Uh, more than that, Lord, that it speaks to us in regards to where we're headed. For you know the past, you are active in the present, and you are keenly aware of the future for time. Time, in many senses, stands still for you. You are all-knowing, all-powerful. Uh, thank you for your word, that it sets the captives free. Thank you for your word. It strengthens us, rebukes us, encourages us. 
as we dive into your word this morning. I pray. I pray that you would speak to our hearts. I pray, Father, that you would bless us. I pray that you would, you would refresh us and that we'd leave this place having encountered you in all your glory. And so we pray this all in the name of Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, the one worthy of all adoration and praise. We pray in his name. Amen. Uh, Jesus is continuing his ministry here in Matthew chapter 11. He's, he's doing uh, all kinds of things. He's preparing the way. He's helping people understand who he is. He is the savior of the world. He, he is the one who has come to set the captives free. He is the one who has, has fulfilled the prophecies of Isaiah. He is the one who has come to bring judgment. As a matter of fact, as you continue to read on in Matthew chapter 11, he brings judgment to communities. Communities that had rejected him and his work. He's revealing to his disciples and to all the people that he is God in flesh. He is the author. The one who holds all things together. He is God. And all authority and power is his. He's teaching his disciples. And in the midst of this, in the midst of this, John, John finds himself in prison. He finds himself in prison because of the deeds that he had done. He's in prison because he preached the gospel. He's in prison because he stood against King Herod. And he refuses to back down. Who is John? Well, for those who aren't familiar, John is a key figure in the New Testament. When we say John the Baptist, most circles will know who he is, both in the church and outside of the church. They've heard of him. Who is he, though? John the Baptist is a specific individual who who was called by God right from the beginning. He was the cousin of Jesus. And he... He had a ministry, a vibrant, important ministry. The prophet says that he was to come and prepare the way for the Messiah. That was the role of John. To make straight the path. And that's what he did. He was a bit eccentric in the things that he did. He ate locusts, lived in the desert, wore fur, and he, repre- and he preached a message of repentance, and he baptized people. Many people loved John, and they came from afar to hear him preach, to hear him proclaim. They, they came to, to hear the message that God was speaking through John. And many responded. Not just the Jews, but tax collectors, Roman soldiers, all coming to hear John. He stood for righteousness. He refused to back down. And a few years ago, we did a series on John and we talked about how how he refused to back down. He's in prison. And while he's in prison, he hears what Christ is doing. You see, Jesus is having a profound effect on the ministry. Jesus is having a profound effect on Galilee, on Jerusalem. He hears. 
And so he sends his disciples and he says to them, go find Jesus and ask him. Ask him if he's the one that we've anticipated. Ask him if he's the one to come or is there another? It's an interesting question from John because John was the one who baptized Jesus. John is the one who, who when Jesus came, he said, he said, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. He says to Jesus, I, I shouldn't be baptizing you. You should be baptizing me. And now here he is, this faithful servant of Christ in prison, and he's beginning to doubt. Uh, he's concerned. In some senses, he has a good rapport with Herod. Herod loves to hear John preach, but Herodias, Herod's wife, despises John. You see, Herodias was married to Philip first, Herod's brother. And this love triangle of adultery is reaching its peak. Her guilt and conviction is overwhelming. And she thinks if she can just get rid of the voice that speaks the truth, the guilt will be gone. John is feeling the pressure. And he's wondering. He's wondering if Jesus is the Christ. Yes, he's confessed it. Yes, he's declared it. Yes, he's baptized Jesus and even saw an, uh, a dove Descend upon him, a symbol of the Spirit. And yet, here he is in prison, and he's struggling. And so he sends word, word to Jesus. Are you the one? It was John who says in John chapter 3, verse 30, He must increase, and I must decrease. He must increase, I must decrease. A prayer of sorts, isn't that? It's a prayer that we all pray, isn't it? That Jesus Christ would get a hold of our lives, that he would increase in authority in our lives, that we would submit to him. This was the prayer of John. And yet now, now as he sits in prison, as his, his flock looks for leadership. Now as he struggles with his reality and what is happening, he's wondering, is his ministry done? And so he sends his disciples and they go and ask. Notice how Jesus answers them. He says, you go tell John. You go tell John what you hear and what you see. Go tell them. Go tell them what you're seeing and what you're hearing. I, I love that. You see, see, Christianity is not just something we declare. It's something we live. But it's not just something we live. We must declare the propositional truths of Scripture. He says the evidence is found here to the disciples. Listen, you go tell John what you hear and what you see. Let him know that the blind have received their sight. 
that the lame walk, that lepers are cleansed, that the deaf hear. Jesus is is citing a, a portion of prophetic scripture in Isaiah here. Words that John would have been keenly aware that were speaking of the coming Messiah. He's speaking about Isaiah 35, where Isaiah says, there's one that will come, and the eyes of the blind shall be opened, the ears of the deaf unstopped. (laughs) Nowhere in the Old Testament is there ever recorded of one who has no sight being given sight. It doesn't happen. And yet in Isaiah, there's one coming, the prophet says, who will bring sight to the blind. He will open their eyes. Jesus takes John and his disciples back to that truth, to that portion of scripture, to answer the question that John has. I love this. I love that the word of God is the answer to the questions we have. I love that Jesus follows his own example and and the example that he sets for you and I as we look to find answers to the questions. It's in his word. May we be students of his word Isaiah says, the eyes of the blind shall be opened, the ears of the deaf unstopped. John would know that this was a prophetic scripture speaking to him, a prophetic scripture that Jesus is fulfilling. He goes on to say, the dead are being raised up. Well, Jesus raised Lazarus and caused a real ruckus by doing so. Uh, He raised others as well. Sons of widows. Tell John that, that the sight of the blind is being given. The lame are walking. The lepers are being cleansed. The deaf are hearing. And the dead are being raised off. And then he says... Tell John that the poor have good uh, news preached to them. Again, Jesus is tying in his answer to Scripture. Again, the prophet Isaiah who speaks about this prophetic truth. That the one who come, the Spirit of the Lord will be upon him, Isaiah says. Because the anointed has anointed him to bring good news to the poor. You see, the ministry of good news to the poor was an important ministry for Jesus. Preaching the good news to the poor was core to the ministry of Jesus. And all the way through the Gospels, we see this evidence. Isaiah says, this is what? This is what the Messiah is going to do. This is how you will identify the Messiah. He will bring good news to the poor. But notice what the rest of the passage says that Jesus doesn't quote. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted. We can go to him when our heart is broken. He has sent Jesus to proclaim liberty to the captives and to open up the prisons to those who who are bound. Jesus, in his response to the disciples of John, quotes the reality that he brings good news, but he doesn't quote the reality that prison doors shall be opened for John. Hmm. 
This is a hard word. John would have been keenly aware of Isaiah 61. He, he would have been very familiar with Isaiah 51, 61. He would have known the passage, memorized it. He would have known that Jesus had excluded the one desire that he had that the captive would be free and those in prison would be set free. It's on that basis that then Jesus says, and blessed. That means happy, not in a secular sense, but in the sense of a joy of knowing the pleasure and the presence of the Lord. Knowing that God is pleased, enjoying his presence. Blessed or happy is the one who's not offended by me. See, Jesus wasn't granting John, in many senses, his request. His request to be free, to complete the ministry that he had initiated. His, his request, his desire to, to be out from under the oppression of Herod, the Romans. Jesus wasn't going to set him free. And, and John was going to hear this news. This news that he wasn't going to be set free from prison. Blessed is the one, the one who takes not offense by me. This was difficult. You see, John isn't that old, 32, 33, something like that. He's a young man with his whole future ahead of him. And yet Jesus, Jesus' design and plan is different than John's, and it doesn't align. You see, John would be like every other Jew who, who expected that the Messiah would come and set the people free. Free from the oppression of the Romans. Free from the oppression of sin. That he would come, a victorious conqueror, and set them free. It's not going to happen. What do you do? What do I do? When we call on the name of the Lord and we ask, we beg, we plea that God would do something in keeping with his scripture, in keeping with his nature, and he says yes to another but no to us, what do we do? How do we wrap our minds around that? How do we continue to press on, to lean in? How do we continue to follow Jesus knows. He knows his response to John is not going to be easy to swallow. He knows that there's going to be great friction here. He knows that his cousin, his cousin isn't going to be pleased. And yet, and yet he answers his prayer. He answers his prayer, the prayer of John, but not in the way that John anticipated he must increase, and I must decrease. It was John who said, Jesus must be lifted high. I, I must humble myself. I must decrease. 
How difficult are the responses of our Lord Jesus Christ when they don't align with our desires, with our expectations? How do we navigate through? In so many ways, we've, we've recharacterized Jesus to fit what we want, to fit our desires. We've created him in our own image. We've recast a vision of who he is because we don't like sometimes where he's leading. He must increase. I must decrease. And yet Jesus says to you and to me, he says, blessed, blessed is the one who doesn't take offense because of me. What things are you battling with? What prayers are you crying out? Who do you see that has what you want? And it causes war within. Blessed is he. Blessed is the one who doesn't take offense on my account. Friends, this is a lesson I'm learning this year. Jesus doesn't answer all my prayers the way I want him to. (laughs) Jesus takes us through hard waters. And yet, yet I, like John, I say, he must increase, I must decrease. It's not about me. It's all about him, is it not? And it's difficult. It's hard. And yet, blessed is the one who doesn't stumble. Blessed is the one who who doesn't take offense, who lets Jesus be Jesus. There's so much we don't see, nor hear, nor understand. There's so much that we, we just have to trust and rest. And it's interesting to me that Jesus, in the midst of us walking with him, he, he doesn't always seek to answer the questions we have. He doesn't always seem to affirm us in the midst of the crisis. So often, Jesus allows us to remain in the dark. (laughs) Look what happens next. As they went away, Jesus began to speak to the crowd. Those disciples who came to get affirmation for John, those disciples who came to get an answer for John, those disciples who came to, to bring back good news to John, as they leave, Jesus waits for them to leave, and then he begins to speak. He speaks to the crowd, and look what he says concerning John. What did you go out into the wilderness to see? A reed shaken by the wind? He goes on to say, and he unpacks a few more things, but then he ultimately says this, Truly I say to you, among those born of women, there has arisen no one greater than John the Baptist. 
the time was not right for John to hear these words. No, he remains in the dark in the midst of his question, in the midst of his concern. He remains in the dark. And Jesus, in his wisdom and understanding as to who John is and understanding of the situation, for he is God, says, blessed is the one. Blessed is the one who takes on offense on my account. Blessed. Blessed. Friends, what do you struggle with? What are your battles? What has Jesus said no to? And maybe yes to another. What circumstances? What reality? What relational tension? Are you finding yourself in the midst of? And Jesus says, look to me. I love you. And Jesus says, trust me. Don't lean on your own understanding. Trust me. Take not offense for the answer I give. May not be a stumbling block. For you will be blessed. You will enjoy his presence. You will enjoy his pleasure. What things in your life are hindering your walk this day that are causing an offense that Jesus is asking you to trust him. Let's stand together. I'm going to call the worship band up here this morning as we wrap up. Or maybe you're here this day and you've never received Christ as your personal Savior. No, you're offended by Him. The thought that you have to repent, confess your sins, the thought that you need to depend on one who freely gives grace to those who call on His name is an offense to you. No, you think you're going to do it. You want to do it your way. He's offended you. Friends, this is a bad plan. It will not work out well for you. For Jesus is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He is the judge. And he died on that cross because he loves you. He shed his blood for you. Because there's one way to salvation. It's through grace. By faith in him alone. Blessed is he who does not take offense. Receive this day. Call on his name. Repent. Turn to him. And he will run to you, I assure you. Maybe you're here and, and you've received the free gift, but truth be told, you're angry, you're bitter. Uh, you don't like the way that Jesus is directing the course of your life. Uh, you put up a barrier, a wall. You've said, no more. And yet you are not enjoying the fellowship of the Spirit of the living God. You're not enjoying His presence. In many ways, you're miserable because, because you've taken offense. <laughs> because He's asked you. Asked you to trust Him and not yourself. To trust Him and not the world or the world's knowledge. To trust His Word and to lean not on your own understanding. 
Maybe that's you today. Humble yourself, I plea with you. And allow the direction of the Lord Jesus Christ to lead you as you seek to walk and step with him. Surrender your will. Surrender your selfishness and your arrogance. Repent and turn to him. And he will lead and he will bless you. Hmm. Or maybe, maybe you're walking in that sweet spot with the Lord Jesus Christ here this day. And yet he bids you, bids you to come deeper, to yield more. To release, release those things that are important to him but not to you. Blessed are those who take not offense on the sake of Christ. And so, Lord Jesus, you know our hearts. You're keenly aware of the questions we have. And you are God. Well, you're a God who loves us. You know who we are, and you know us by name. We aren't a number to you. You love us. And you know what's best. For you're our creator. You hold all things together. You are a good, good God. And yet we struggle to trust you because our world is full of chaos, hurt, pain. Uh, We struggle to trust you because we think we know better. Uh, Forgive us, we pray. Help us, we pray, not to take offense. Help us, we pray, to enjoy the blessing of trusting you. For it's in Christ's name we pray.